We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome on in. This is the Roadwire Fantasy Football Podcast for NFL Week 18. The hay is in the barn in a lot of fantasy leagues, with some leagues still going out there, and there's still plenty of intrigue for this weekend. 20 teams still alive for a playoff spot, so that's that sets up a pretty wild and fascinating slate that gets started on Saturday. We're going to break it all down here. Let's start the show. Welcome on in. This is the Roadwire Fantasy Football Podcast for NFL Week 18. I'm your host, John McKechnie. That is Mario Puig. Uh, we are digging into what sets up as a pretty crazy weekend. I think when, when the NFL decided to expand the playoff field and expand the regular season by another game, it had a vision of something like this weekend. Like We have a lot to get into, a lot to dig into, a lot of scenarios uh, to sift through. But for me personally, Mario, this is as uh, stress-free as I'm going to be for a little while because uh, my, my Baltimore Ravens don't have to play a game for uh, two weeks after this one. And they, they're basically barely playing a, as it is uh, this weekend. I have my Lamar Jackson uh, sunglasses shirt on uh, right. the vibes. The vibes are high. Uh, Lamar's the runaway MVP uh, for, for this year. Feels good. Um, the the Dolphins game last weekend didn't see it going that way. Um, oh. So, I mean, I I will uh, I will tone down the gloating uh, as we as we get into. into oh, we don't need play. to tone down the gloating. There's there's a lot of people that gotta hear it. You know, uh, they do. It wasn't that long ago that we were having. Well, there are certain people who are gonna carry this on even now, but uh, there was a time not that long ago when you had to humor people being like uh jared goff is is uh jared goff is better kirk cousins better, whoever the all these all these players uh brock purdy they're all better than lamar jackson and um they it's never been about being right to a lot of those people so it's not like they've changed their mind upon being proven wrong but at least they have to be a sh- like embarrassed to show their their faces at least while while speaking such things and now it's uh it's kind of funny to point at them it is. And, uh, you know, in, in any of those cases, whether it's Cousins or, or Purdy or Goff, none of them could have a shirt printed that is as cool as this. I mean, that's just 
science that's fact. i guess kirk cousins could but um yeah not oh the, him with the chain last year was pretty good on on the airplane i enjoyed that now that you mention it but um yeah i don't i don't have any themed garb for the playoffs i'm, I'm at the face i obviously want the ravens to to pretty much run the table from here so uh i i know what i want to happen and i know that uh wanting things you know uh, announcing your plans is a good way to hear God laugh and all of that. So I'm just trying to uh, honestly kind of black it out in my mind because I, I just I just kind of want to like fast forward to the answer instead of having to like be be caught in in like the ups and downs that you know don't matter when when fate eventually is at the end of it. I'm I'm already like squatting on um or like the the dread is is just like it's in the back corner for now i'm all dread it, right now it's there <laughs> uh and that that dread scenario is joe flacco and the browns going to going to baltimore in the second round the browns i'd take that the over the 49ers home. man i would I, I i don't like flacco and i i the, my my difference i guess is i'm not a ravens fan so i don't care about i don't have like the browns hatred um if anything john i think it might be a little greedy of ravens fans to uh like presuppose uh, superiority over Browns fans having already stolen one of their teams. So in the ensuing Super Bowl. So, uh, but no, I, I just, I just don't want to see all the flag waving bull crap about Brock Purdy if the 49ers win. So if, if the, if the Browns have to take care of that for me, then I, I, I guess I would appreciate it of them, but rather have the Ravens win. It'd be good for, for the old bankroll. I'm, I'm oddly yeah. leveraged on, on the Browns winning the Super Bowl, but that, uh, uh, the the complaints about stealing the franchise fall on deaf ears over here as you know Baltimore <laughs> complicated history like uh, Peyton Manning. Well, that's why you're uh, superior to Colts fans and are yeah, owed right. all of their riches. But I, I don't know. I think I think you maybe maybe have like a little bit more patience with the Browns. Uh, you've already conquered so much of their stuff. It, it's true. It's true. Um, they, they've they've had quite a uh, an existence uh, since. Uh, coming back to the league in what 1999 oh, yeah. welcome um, yeah. back you get tim couch this is gonna go great i'm sure well uh, i did see uh, probably my favorite tweet from from last week and i promise folks we'll, we'll get to the games here in a second but my favorite tweet was from former browns great johnny manzel uh because a a, 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 a tweet from the the beat one of the browns beat writers was like with, with tonight's performance joe flacco has passed Johnny Manziel for 31st on the Browns all-time uh, passing yardage uh, list. And Johnny just quote tweets it with some me- some records are meant to be broken. I thought that was beautiful. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty good. What is, does he just kind of like go to bowling alleys and, and like do little promo spots and get free food and live that way? Or what is he doing now? And does, he, uh, was... does he have a media job or something? Uh, he doesn't, at least not a, like a mainstream one. I know that there was a Netflix doc about him over the summer, but I wasn't overly interested in watching just that. Gaming I, off of dad's money still. Just I, apparently that like his, his uh, wealth and fortune was all fabricated because he was getting so much money from boosters at, while he was at A and M that he had to come up with a, a backstory. As he to, lied about who his father is. Y- yeah, okay. he li- no lied one, about like no one this that crazy oral. But, no. Which is the craziest hmm. part because he was like, the most scrutinized player. In, At that in point, you're like almost got to wonder like what what isn't this guy lying about? Is he maybe just uh, creating a constant uh, mirage? I don't know. Uh, anyway, that is pretty funny and it is pretty crazy that that Flacco is already at that point. Even even the, I assume the number was like seven or something. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it didn't take a ton for him to get there. Yeah. It took, what, like four starts, and uh, yeah, there we have it. But um, let's see here. Why don't we get on to no. <laughs> to to this weekend's slate of games. Um, we'll start things out in Charm City as the Ravens uh, playing mostly kind of a, a last game of the preseason type of vibe. They are four-point home underdogs uh, to the Pittsburgh Steelers, who do um, obviously have some things to play for. I will go through quickly what the Steelers have on the table. So they clinch a playoff berth if they win. They have to win, first of all. And then a Buffalo loss or a Jacksonville loss or a tie, a tie in the Houston-Indianapolis game, or then things get crazy. a a Pittsburgh tie, a Jacksonville loss, a Houston Indianapolis doesn't end in a tie. This is written confusingly on NFL.com. Yeah, I can't follow this anymore. Or J- Jacksonville losing, Denver winning, and Houston and Indianapolis having a result that is not a tie. So a lot of permutations. Uh, I think that the first three make the most sense. Uh, they need to win Buffalo. They need Buffalo to lose, Jacksonville to lose or tie or Houston and Indy to tie. My favorite playoff scenarios are always when a a tie has to get uh, involved in the mix. And uh, you figure a game like like the Texans and the Colts, we're not going to have that, you know, given what's on the line for both of those those teams as well. But, you know, straight one tie thing that was pretty much mm-hmm. just the Brandon Staley case, right? Like, yes, yeah. <laughs> it seemed impossible until Brandon Staley invented it. Um, but yeah, so uh, the one thing I wonder is how how prepared is the Ravens' depth uh, rotations? Because if they could make their backups competitive in this game, you know, not that not to say they're going to go deep in the playbook to do it or anything, but. I think the Ravens might want to win this game. Uh, not again, not to put like Lamar or anyone in truly important uh, down as collateral, but it Tyler, is it, is it Huntley? Who's still there? I can't even remember. Who. Yes. It, Huntley's still there. He's that might be start. enough. Uh, the bat, those, those backups have been playing. I mean, Gino stone, uh, if he's, he, he's kind of, he's got like a off the bench, seven interceptions. He's got to play either way. Uh, rock. Yassin's a former starter. Demarion uh, Williams has been there a couple of years. Maybe they can pull it off. I don't know. Um, but yeah, the, the the Steelers, it's like you could think the Ravens want to beat them. Not so much for uh, that way. They're not a threat in the playoffs, but more just kind of like we hate you. Uh, we're coming for you and all the other teams and, and, and you know, expect, you know, pain, basically. And uh, I don't know it's, when you got you got backups who have played there a while. It's like guys like that can sometimes step in and not really notice that they're backups so much. Yeah, I think if nothing else, it'll ugly up the game. I, I think that this will, will almost look like the inverse of, of the first meeting between these two teams earlier this year when, you know, a glorified backup and Kenny Pickett uh, was playing for the Steelers. It's sort of basically who, who Tyler Huntley could be or who, who what he functions as. Uh, in this game, you know, probably going to see a lot of Melvin Gordon. Yeah, probably going to see some some Tylen Wallace. We could see. Uh, uh, I know that there's. Some I still believe in Tylen Wallace. I'm I'm ready for this, John. I've been waiting for this particular game and for it, like three years. Right. I mean, like, he was he was sick at, at Oklahoma State. Had the had the knee thing, and you know, takes him a while to to get back on on track. But I mean, hey, uh, his punt return against the Rams, if nothing else, was. Uh, 
worth worth paying like his entire salary uh, essentially. Yeah. Um, but I think I like the Ravens against the spread here, but I do think that the Steelers find a way to win. I would just say it's probably by a field goal, if 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 uh, if anything. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I guess for me, it's I need guys like Pickens and I guess to a lesser extent Deontay Johnson to show up because I feel like if they don't, that means that Rudolph kind of went in the tank, and if if Rudolph goes in the tank, then I think the 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 starter advantage in theory for the, for the Steelers kind of just evaporates because if if your offense is as bad as, as if you're if your passing is as bad as it has been at times for the Steelers, most specifically with Trubisky, you're you're basically not at an advantage against anyone. Like you 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 just can't be a viable offense with quarterback play like that. So Rudolph has been an improvement, and I I would guess I suppose he'll keep being an improvement. But if Pickens and Johnson don't show up in the box score, then I think the Ravens, even the backup Ravens defense, can kind of uh, make it a coin flip game. Yeah, I, I think you have that summed up correctly. And and as we go through this podcast, um, some teams that, that aren't necessarily Super Bowl contenders for this year will we'll do a little temperature check on what what things might look like for, for them next year. And in, in Pittsburgh's case, it's a good roster. It's not a great roster, but obviously quarterback is holding them back. They sink the first round pick into Kenny Pickett a couple of years ago. There's we think going to be a decent market for veteran quarterbacks this coming off season. Do you think the Steelers get in the mix for that? Yeah. Who are we looking at exactly? Like uh, in my I mind's could... eye, I see Russell Wilson as a Steeler. Russell Wilson. I, I, I don't know why. I feel like he's a, he's a Washington kind of pickup. Uh, it just, it feels like destiny to me. I don't really have a justification for that. I, I could see the Steelers. The Steelers got to go with somebody, right? Like a, yeah, the picket thing is a joke, and they must know it by now. And uh, that was just an ownership pick anyway. So no, no one, no one really feels the need to go to bat for that pick because no one benefits from it really. Um, uh, yeah, they they got to get some veteran because it, it is funny that they not only spent that first round pick on Kenny Pickett, but then the Tomlin effect pre- made them like Im- uh, immune to tanking, like they they couldn't tank, and right. they kept getting these late draft picks, which they're going to get again. And it's like, you really probably should have just uh, tanked or something. You, sh- you should have said, Tomlin, ease off the gas this time. We're, we're trying to get a little higher in the draft order. Because, yeah, it- it's almost like Jameis Winston or somebody like that might be their best option. And clearly a big improvement over Pickett. It really truly might be enough for them to be a playoff competitor uh, when he, again, thrown in the Tomlin factor. And if the defense hits a few uh, picks, signings coming up. But, uh yeah, I guess it's got to be some veteran, I suppose. I I can't really think of who, but uh, yeah, Winston or Wilson, somebody like that, I guess. Yeah, I I you know not to spoil things too much, but I don't think that Kirk Cousins leaves Minnesota. I think it's too good of a setup that he would be leaving. But maybe um, Kyler Murray. That that's interesting uh, on what Arizona might might end up uh, wanting to do because they'll have a pretty pretty good draft use, spot. They're going to take a quarterback. They and I I am a. I'm more of a Kyler apologist than most, and I'm not necessarily as sold on some of these quarterbacks as, as some folks, but the Cardinals have to take one of them, if only for like the contract reason, and then just kind of hope they can break even on a trade with, with Murray to get out of that deal. Interesting. Okay. I, I've kind of gone under the the presupposition that they're going to ride, ride with Kyler. Um, Maybe they do. In the yeah. long term. 
I think he's um, good enough. It's just like they can they can he's under control for maybe three more years, probably something like two in terms of affordable years. And if someone were to argue that, especially you know Caleb Williams or Drake May were better than Murray, it's like how, how are you gonna how are you gonna be so sure that they're wrong? You know. Um, but you're right. I mean, it is it is politically a bit more tense to to, to go a route like Kyler than it is some some guy that a team was going to try to trade anyway. Exactly. Exactly. Um, let's move on to Saturday night. We got a good one brewing at the big oil drum, as Chris Berman would call it, at Lucas Oil Stadium. We have the Indianapolis Colts playing host to the Houston Texans. Uh, we have uh, the Texans as one point road favorites. Uh, in this one, uh, the over-under set at a much more appealing 47 and a half than what we're going to be treated to earlier in the day on Saturday, where we're looking at 35 and a half. Both these teams obviously have a lot on the line. It's it's a uh, loser goes home uh, type of scenario. Houston can win the division with a win and a Jacksonville loss or a tie. Uh, they, they can uh, tie and still get in, but they need some help. But if they win, they are in. That's the bottom line there. And same goes for Indianapolis. Indianapolis needs a little bit more help to to uh, win the division. Uh, but even still, uh, we, we have the division potentially uh, on the line here. And if nothing else, a playoff spot uh, with, with Houston being a little bit closer to full strength this week with Stroud being uh, back in the fold. Uh, you know, what, what are you expecting here? Obviously, with, with Houston being favored on the road, it, it seems like a pretty significant uh, development here. Yeah, Houston they got some injuries but most of it's on the defensive side, uh defensive line specifically. So with Stroud there and in my opinion with the Colts corner rotation especially being uh especially on the boundary being pretty vulnerable, this should be a game where Stroud does well and I guess the question if if that's true is like how well exactly uh Nico Collins being fully healthy would help raise the uh you know the ceiling and, and what could occur there and i guess the rest would depend on how much of a game and how quickly uh with their possessions the the colts can move on offense because if uh if the colts can make something of a shootout of it i feel like stroud should be able to just kind of match as many punches as they need to and add one more for good measure uh because like nico collins against the it's two rookie corners i believe jalen jones and julius brents that the colts have i guess i better double check the injury reporter ir but uh those two are outside kenny moore is in the slot and um i think nico collins can beat any of them even more but uh the rookies on the outside they're you know they're particularly vulnerable and uh yeah if collins can get to like 120 yards here then stroud I guess Noah Brown being injured is a little weird. I, I still feel like they should be able to get Xavier Hutchinson out there and, and making plays uh, in his place. But admittedly, Robert Woods also Robert Woods is missing practice, but Robert Woods, even if he were healthy, has not done anything all year. Uh, no matter where they play who, him. And they, who could have seen that coming? Yeah, they've tried him both inside and outside and nothing's going at all. So admittedly, we might have a situation where Stroud is playing well, but only has one viable target to throw to. And maybe that causes some issues, but I still believe in Xavier Hutchinson. Apparently John Mechie can't play more than like 20 snaps in a game, but those, those have been, he's been productive on a per snap basis. And uh, yeah, I guess uh, Devin Singletary's done just enough that they they should be able to get the win. Uh, But admittedly, 
if if Collins is the only viable receiver, then a good Gardner Minshew game could make it really close. It's the it's the Minshew part that I have more trouble with because even with the the Texans uh, defensive line obliterated, it's kind of hard to trust Minshew. Like he's he's had some really ugly tape uh, over the course of the year. No, he he has, and yet I don't know. There, there's some cagey about him. Oh yeah, and uh, he does the most of what with what he has. That's definitely true. Uh, no, no question. And I think in the end, with, with the stakes being what they are, and I know that there's two rookie head coaches in, involved in everything, but I think I give the slight lean to Indianapolis. I, I think Houston's more a more fun story, but I feel like Indianapolis uh, fi- finds a way here and, and wins this one. Yeah, fair enough. I think both head coaches are great, so um, I don't really see like a, a chump to pick on on either side. Um I don't know. I think it'll be close either way, but I, I lean the Texans just because I I do think that the more the longer the game is on like the, a close line, the more Minshew is liable to to be just uh, not good enough. I, I think uh, if Taylor has a huge game, then maybe that's not the case. But as it stands, even Gardner Minshew's good games require like a hundred yards from Pittman, and then you know another sixty yards from Downs or somebody like that. And uh, that's that's still just like 160 yards, you know, so uh, it's not all Minju's fault either, especially if they're not going to figure out how to get Pierce viable routes. Uh, so, yeah, I, I just I think I, I think I lean Stroud plus Nico just kind of, you know, just kind of uh, barely out muscling the other side. Sure. I mean, I, I can absolutely see that this the, a case to be made for for either side here. Eileen Indy, but it yeah, again, it w- wouldn't shock me whatsoever if, if Houston goes in there, gets this done, and, and punches their ticket uh, for the postseason. Before we move on over to Sunday, got a message from our friends over at Circa. Get ready for the ultimate big game parties at Circa Resort and Casino. Super Sunday is in Las Vegas this year. Watch the big game poolside at Stadium Swim's big game viewing party. Massive screen, booming game sound, and a view of the pyrotechnic and visual effects throughout the game. Snag the best seat in the sun, day beds, poolside boxes, cabanas, and more. Or touchdown at the world's largest sports book, Circus Sports, for the big game bash. They got three stories of football glory featuring a 78 million pixel screen. Book your seat with a variety of reservation options, including bottle service, open bar, stadium-style food, and more. Don't miss these legendary viewing experiences on February 11th. The big game viewing parties only at Circa Resort and Casino. Reserve today at CircaLasVegas.com. All right, Mario, on to Sunday. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. We are going to uh, make some use of uh, the, uh, you know, again... Week 18, funky. We got a bunch of teams eliminated, a bunch of teams that are still uh, in in play for, for the postseason. So that sets up some funky matchups. But uh, Mike Clay over at ESPN <clears throat> has cobbled together a uh, in, a good little cheat sheet for which teams have something to play for, which teams don't. Um, but I, I think uh, it's important to make the distinction that, that um, you know, a, a team with high uh, – urgency this week uh they might be in trouble in, in a sense like they, they'll be playing at full strength but like an eliminated team on, on the other side could easily want to play spoiler because it, as the as the schedule sets up it's always divisional matchups and who doesn't want to like you know ruin uh their divisional uh rivals season so tampa bay again has a lot to play for uh th- this weekend to be clear their playoff scenario includes uh, they can win the South with a win or a tie and a New Orleans loss, and they clinch a playoff berth with a tie, a Seattle loss, or and a so, sorry and a Green Bay loss or tie. And uh, we're well aware that the the Panthers are eliminated. I believe they were the first team to be eliminated. Spread in this one, Bucks on the road, four and a half point favorites. Yeah, that's tough because they've got some injuries to keep an eye on at the very least. I mean, we'll see about Carlton Davis. I guess he's not so important given the passing game on the other side of this game. And maybe there might not really be a defense other than Green Bay. Apparently, there might not really be a defense that Bryce Young can do well against. But, you know, Carlton Davis being out would make things a little easier for the Panthers to move the ball. Tristan Wirfs, we got to keep an eye on. Uh, I don't know what the the latest of his shoulder injury is but you know brian burns against whoever the backup is was a issue if if you're the buccaneers so yeah especially when you throw in the ajiro vero factor on defense even though i think that the canales guy has done a pretty good job with the buccaneers Vero is different uh or at least he's, he's more proven at this point i would say so it is particularly going on the road too it's like the the buccaneers got to be a little careful what I can't tell is, uh, do these players care at this point? If you're the Buc- if you're the Panthers, because 
it is it is possible they sort of play for personal pride that definitely happens like you don't need a team to like their coach or care about their coach or ownership or whatever to play hard there's you know there's there's just uh there's there's personal esteem sometimes that that goes into it enough but man it's got to be so just demoralizing to play for the panthers and see your owner act like an idiot and just ruin the team and you're like you're you're working hard almost all year just to get out here and have to play for this team that stands no chance in the long term because of uh how stupid these these you know these ill-gotten ownership or otherwise influential positions uh are staffed with these people who are just buffoons who who just you know are are some of the worst people on earth so uh that's got to suck but if the if they can play, I think the defense will at least play hard, and that's that might be enough to make this dangerous for the Buccaneers, especially if uh, if Bad Baker shows up, you know. And I don't know why, I don't know what exactly what hinges on Mayfield's bad games or good games this year, but it sucks. A game like last week is like, how do you not get a big game from Mike Evans when there isn't even Marshawn Lattimore out there, and they they got like a special teamer playing at corner? That's crazy. But uh, if Baker can keep it together here, I mean, it, basic deal with the Panthers is it's it's really, really difficult to be competitive against uh, a vaguely competitive opponent if your passing game is uh, bad in general. But certainly this is a new kind of bad that we're witnessing with Bryce Young. I mean, it's not as a it's not as many turnovers as like the Ryan Leaf year or whatever other ridiculous historical cases. But this is basic. This is pretty much the worst passing game we're ever going to see. You know, it's brutal to watch. And you know, we we've pretty much. I mean, we we had our doubts about Bryce Young coming into the year, and and had our doubts about the Panthers generally coming into the year. But by like week two, week three, it was like crystal clear. Like, oh, this is we're watching like a historic type of train wreck here. Yeah, it's like a. It's 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 brutal, and I I can't really think of any comparison. Honestly, it's just um, it, not to write off Young permanently. I mean, maybe he can get something going at some point, but safe to say he at the very least will need a very particular set of accommodations. And uh, the, the Panthers are not the people to figure out what it is. Nope, not accommodating to to that end. Uh, to be clear, um, let's move on over to. The AFC North, we've got the Browns and the Bengals. Bengals, seven-point favorites in this one. So you know what that means. Uh, the Browns are locked in to, to their playoff spot. We already know that Joe Flacco is not going to be starting uh, for, for them. And, yeah, I mean, they, they punched their ticket. They are locked into the five spot. Uh, the Bengals were eliminated from the postseason uh, last week with their loss to the Chiefs. So, this sets up as one of the the lower leverage uh, games of the weekend. Um, but even still looking at that spread, you know, how do you see this one shaking out and what, what, what could interest you from this game? I guess if the Bengals move away from Joe Mixon in this game, and maybe they, maybe they do like a running back version of the Russell Wilson thing where they, they, pretty much bench Mixon so that he can't uh, break his ankle and get a check uh, in May. Uh, maybe they go with Chase Brown. I don't know. Something like that Maybe interesting. I don't uh, I don't know what the Browns like. I guess Pierre Strong is going to have to play a lot, which is kind of interesting because he's been a I don't know how consistent he's been, but his explosive plays have made his overall work in the NFL pretty uh, 
efficient and explosive, but there's got to be some kind of thing he's bad at because, um, you know, both both the Patriots and the Browns have been kind of loath to put him on the field, even though he tends to make big plays when they give him the ball. So there must be there must be some practice rep that he does where it just everything goes off the rails and, and that's why they keep him third. I don't know. But a guy that fast with the results that he's had, if they give him the ball in a game like this, that could be kind of interesting. I don't know how you approach pass catchers for a game like this, though, because there could be like, I don't know, eight receivers who play 20 snaps or more on each side or not, not eight on each side. Um, There could, there could be, uh, there could be something like 10 receivers in the game total who play more than 20 snaps, depending on what kind of rotation the teams are going with. So uh, yeah, don't know as much about that. Maybe quarterback too, but it's the running backs, I guess that are, that there aren't so many obvious, uh, alternatives to give snaps to like if Mixon is pretty much out for the Bengals then it's just Travian Williams and Chase Brown and you know th- maybe they both get the 30 snaps but that's usually enough right yeah and you figure it's not going to be like a super high uh, play count in this one um, I get something that caught my eye a little bit um, yesterday was like someone had kind of cobbled together um, the the revenge game narrative for, for Jeff Driscoll um, had, you know <laughs> when he got cut from the Bengals. So uh, he, he might be uh, coming to play uh, in the, in this one. He'll be the starter sure. uh, for the Browns. He's got to be able, with how Dax Hill has taken angles this year. I mean, Driscoll could, could go 80 yards. He could, he, he is an athlete. Like we remember yeah. him from his uh, law tech days and, and prior to that uh, at Florida. Um, yeah. But yeah, I remember they, him in they, the NFL. He can, he does some cool, uh, like stunt plays, just send him, just give him the ball, tell him to go. That that's our kind of backup. I, I've, I've yeah. kind of noticed uh, over, over the balance of this podcast, we, we like a, a backup that plays with, um, reckless abandon. And, uh, I think Driscoll, uh, qualifies. So th- this would be a great game for, uh, remembering some guys from, from college <laughs> and, and, uh, from other stops in the NFL. But beyond that, uh, probably not a ton of, uh, juice to squeeze from this one. Uh, the over-under in that, for the record, uh, set at 37 and a half. Onward to the NFC North, the, the Vikings clinging to their playoff hopes. They are, I, I think, among the teams that haven't been eliminated yet, they have the worst chance of making the postseason. Obviously, the, the Lions uh, were able to clinch uh, the NFC North earlier, so they don't have a ton to play for, especially by uh, Clay's, Mike Clay's metrics. There is some distinction to be made, though. Uh, they, they could go to the number two seed or they could uh, fall as low as the three seed, but no worse than that. Whereas Minnesota, they need to win. They need Green Bay to lose. They need Seattle to lose. And they need Tampa Bay to lose. Um, I won't get into the other scenario. I, or I guess it's the same one, except uh, New Orleans losing would, would be the other uh, way in which Minnesota gets in. But either way, Minnesota needs to win. Why exactly did they do what they did last week with, <laughs> with like the season on the line? Um, I don't know. There, there's not a single angle that I can think of that makes any sense. And it, it doesn't really matter how charitable you're trying to be with O'Connell. Uh, O'Connell, he seems to be better than some coaches. He seems to have some insights as like a play caller. It seems like he occasionally will have a game plan that's fairly impressive maybe he'll prove to be a good quarterbacks coach something like that maybe he'll get better with experience but the judgment he showed in managing not just that week but i guess 
pretty much since the Cousins injury at quarterback, the judgment he's shown has been uh, kind of dubious at best. And in this case, it's it's just bad. Uh, sorry, for the most recent game, it was just it, there's no justifying um, either. Y- you cannot bench Jaron Hall after 15 snaps or you cannot start him. You, if, if you're going to give him a 15 snap leash, you cannot start that guy. And if you pull the leash at that point, you've, you've just backtracked on everything that you insisted was the case all week. And why should we take seriously anything you really say from this point or even before it, if that's the ease with which you'll just, just, just uh, totally, you know, backtrack on everything you said was true. And, um, it is one thing, of course, to, to say like, "Oh, we well, we made a mistake," but uh, making that mistake in that situation is not acceptable. Again, right. if you can't give him fifteen snaps, you can't start him. So I think it, there's also the case that uh, it, it was unfair to Hall to put him on the field if you're going to yank him that fast. It's like, look, if you can't tolerate him throwing an interception in his first ten passes, put Mullins back out there. You don't. You clearly don't care how many interceptions he throws. So put the no. guy in you don't care how many interceptions he throws i don't know why it only matters in one case but if it does put in the guy who you don't care if he throws interceptions so uh it's it's at best kind of uh just just uh it's just uh like scatter scatterbrained thinking it's not it's not uh sticking with any one thought it's just pushing buttons just just uh lashing out at the colors and the sounds and not really thinking a whole lot and I don't know. He maybe maybe it was just one time losing his cool kind of thing. But uh, at the very least, he he better not you know let that be a tendency because he blew it. He just he just he just you know he he spilled it all, spilled the chili all over the floor, and uh, it was it was all avoidable. It really was. It it, it absolutely was. Um, you you let uh, the the most maligned uh, coordinator that still has a job, arguably Joe Joe Barry. Um, no Barry um, master class on you yeah, baby. with the playoffs on the line. Oh man. Oh, at home, man, at home on, on national TV Oof. on new year's. Uh, just, uh, you, yeah, Kevin O'Connell, you have been buried, my friend. <laughs> Get used you to got you. Uh, <laughs> you got buried. Um, do you think, uh, you know, we, we, we touched on it briefly earlier, but do you think Kirk cousins is a Viking next year? Yeah, uh, main reason just being uh, given given the uncertainty of any given alternative for the Vikings, the fact that it might be otherwise like prohibitively expensive to keep Cousins doesn't matter as much uh, from anybody's point of view in the building too. It's like if even if you're Quessy and you're like, oh, I'm Mister Analytics, I know not to overspend. I know I know how to do value. Like that's great, but you're getting far enough in your tenure as the GM that people are just, including the owner, uh, are going to just eventually be like, "We need some wins, buddy. We don't really care about efficiency right now. If if you're if you're efficient in losing, you're gone. So you're not going to care about efficiency anymore. You're just going to pay whatever you have to to make yourself feel like you're not going to get fired, you know. And and choosing question mark instead of Kirk Cousins. Both Quessy and O'Connell need to worry that pushing that button means we're both gone. Right. And, you know, you don't want to fumble the the bag uh, that, that is Justin Jefferson, uh, you know, as far as, you know, how much is he going to want to stay in a place where there's a, you know, kind of a, a project uh, at quarterback when there, there's 
obviously a shorter shelf life to, to your prime as a receiver. Uh, we've done this before with Randy Moss uh, in Minnesota. Maybe they don't want to make that same mistake twice, and and therefore, you know, keeping Cousins probably a good way of of uh, making that happen. So I, I expect Cousins to to be back uh, in Minnesota next year. Let's get on over to the Jets and the Patriots. Um, if I have to see any of this game, I'm going to be upset. <laughs> um, at least it should look as about as good as all the you know, early season games between these teams. Like you don't have to worry about uh, either team uh, failing to show up because, or at least, you know, not worse than has been the case all year with either one. So uh, maybe actually watch this game in particular, because it'll, it'll, it'll have like the less, the least feeling of um, what is that? Uh, It'll feel more on rhythm to you. Like if you if you watch these other games with like the backups and the uneven play, it'll you'll get a sense of vertigo. But with the Patriots and the Jets, everything will feel nice and on time. That's true. It, it might as well be played in in September. You know, as yeah. far as this, this is this a week is, three game. Yeah, it. Yeah, it honestly is. Um, so uh, we have the Patriots has one and a half uh, point favorites at home in this one. Again, obviously, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, both teams uh, eliminated from from playoff contention. I feel like the the Patriots at once have more incentive to to lose this one to stay, you know, within the the sweepstakes for a quarterback uh, in this upcoming class. So playing for draft position a little bit more than than the Jets are. But does Belichick really like take heed to that? We'll have to see. I could see Belichick getting some impressive effort from his players uh i know it's it, it clearly hasn't gone well this year even the last couple of years but i don't think belichick has really had a problem getting players to uh whatever believe in him like play hard for him he's got he's there's certain players who he didn't get along with who i'm sure would say something unflattering about him or another but uh generally bill belichick has inspired players so uh, not that that's not the case for Robert Saleh on the other side. It's just I am assuming Bill Belichick is, uh, you know, either the best coach ever or one of the best coaches ever. And uh, even if he's lost a step or two or whatever, sometimes guys like him will just sort of, uh, you know, ha- have have like a little more left than you might think. Uh, it, it just it's, they just look weaker than they've been before. But it does, doesn't mean he's harmless. No, exactly. Like he, he still has it to an extent. I mean, uh, you could almost argue almost uh, that, that winning four games this year is overachieving um, for, based on. They did have structural issues. Play. You know, it's like he he, he arguably is uh, culpable for the structure that occurred there. Like it, it's uh, from a from a coaching angle. It's an excuse from a from a administrative view. It's not. But as a coach. Belichick, I think, did do a great job this year. It's just he, you know, with a collection of players they had on offense, it was just kind of completely doomed. You know, I'd say perspective-wise, you look at the thirty-one to nothing loss to the Saints or the the six to nothing loss to uh, to the Chargers. It feels like the Patriots are are much different now than than they were then, and the Chargers being a much more recent case. And that was against Justin Herbert. You know, it's that there was a stretch there. I think I, I mentioned it back while the stretch was ongoing, but they'd, they'd given up 26 points over a three game sample, but they had just scored 13 and that was, that yeah. was the problem. 
Yeah, and if if the offense had worked, <clears throat> you know, he 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 would have made everything else work. His problem is he doesn't know how to make an offense go without Tom Brady or without you know an assortment of of standout skill position players. But uh, in this game, if neither team can score, I, that seems to me it's it's the ball is, you know, it's, it's a game that's more of of Belichick's nature and it, it, probably something he's comfortable playing within. Uh, r- random thought that I've been playing around with uh, in in regards to Belichick and Patriots and offense. Are you familiar with who John Rice Plumley is? The is that the Mississippi quarterback? Uh, U- UCF. Yeah, the, well, both, both. Okay. Uh, yeah. What about? Him? <laughs> I could, see, I could see like the Belichick meme of him with, with the binoculars, like JRP is like his, his next, next Edelman Julian project. Edelman. Yeah, because <laughs> really? JRP uh, he was not like a quarterback quarterback initially at Ole Miss, and he you know hardly qualified as such at, at UCF. You know, just playing in the Gus Malzahn system, but. In Burroughs last year at LSU, uh, they played Ole Miss, and JRP ran for like 200-some-odd yards. He's against the, sh- the short, fast-legs guy, yeah. See? So, I th- he's an athlete. Like, he absolutely is an athlete. I think he's a great baseball player, too. So, I don't know. I, I got my eye on him in, in day three. Um, we'll, we'll see how he tests. But um, yeah, I, I, I don't know where making the switch. If the Patriots really get rid of Belichick, which I did, I actually do think it's a mistake. They, they need to figure out their more – personnel management if anything uh, but if they get rid of belichick then um yeah i'll be curious to, to watch where he goes hopefully he has minimal personnel input and i.e only on questions of like finding the next element in defensive players and offensive linemen i guess those those picks he does pretty good uh but yeah no no receivers allowed unless you're switching them from a mobile quarterback who's a bad college passer correct okay Th- those are the those are the the confines in the structure that, that we need it, whether Belichick is coaching new England or somewhere else next year, but regardless, wherever he's at JRP taking a look, see, um, and then I, I have nothing really to, to say about the jets. I mean, I, I do suppose uh, I came across the wire yesterday that Dalvin cook uh, is, is uh, released. So do you think we, we get a decent uh, glimpse at Izzy? Yeah, I mean they were working him in. He had he had like ten carries last week or two weeks ago over Cook. So, um, yeah, we know Abenaconda is basically raw materials. We know he's not going to be as on schedule or reliable in a you know this this week this year as he will be a year or two from now. He's really young even still. Uh, I know I know numbers like this might not seem that significant, but. Him turning 21 just before the season start, or no, he turned 21 in like a like October or something. That's crazy. Uh, he he, you know, there's guys who are uh, rookie running backs who are three and a half years older than he was at the start of his rookie year. So uh, he's he's he needs the seasoning, I'm sure. But the lack of playing time for Abanaconda to this point is not really a measure of his talent. It's just a measure of kind of like how far ahead of schedule he is being here at all. Well said. Um, I, I'd, like, I'd like to get a glimpse. Uh, you know, it would really make my uh, dead best ball teams. Uh, in the, in <laughs> he can run. He can definitely run. It's more like uh, will he miss a blitz pickup or something? But I, I don't know. I, I think Abanaconda is going to crush uh, the the the, uh, the value of that pick where they took him. I, I think you know th- there were a lot of running backs who went ahead of him. It was 
it was stupid all along and yeah i guess i guess more realistically more honestly i I need this to go because i need to to be able to stand up and say see you know <laughs> tank bigsby and roshan johnson going ahead of uh abanaconda was always nonsense and i, I was always right about that you were uh, we'll see i mean it could be wrong but we'll see i don't think i'm wrong yeah. well if nothing else um i would say that that uh bigsby and to a slightly lesser extent roshan uh not yeah, they, they, uh, bad running back and maybe good fullback respectively okay all right we gotta got set the parameters um onward to falcons saints one of the more impactful games um of this weekend we have both these teams still alive. New Orleans eight and eight, uh, Atlanta seven and nine. As far as the uh, scenarios are concerned, Atlanta gets into the playoffs via winning the South by winning, and Tampa Bay losing. And on the New Orleans side, um, they can win the South with a win and a Tampa loss, or a tie and a Tampa loss, or they could sneak into the wild card with a win, a Seattle loss or tie and a green Bay loss or tie. So uh, those are, those are the setups uh, for, for this game. We have the spread here set as the saints three point favorites in this one. I, I continue to never be able to, to really know what the Falcons are doing and weeks like last week with the saints, it's like, yes, they are capable of doing that or, or like the, the game in Indianapolis or the game against new England, but they also are, are completely capable of snoozers as well. So I, I, I have trouble reading both these teams. I think everyone, I think fairly doesn't really understand the NFC South other than the Panthers, but how do you see this one shaking out? It is tough. Uh, the Falcons defense I think is a is a bit fake in that they've had metrics putting them in the top three to five pretty much all year, especially as a run defense. And I, I don't think they're that. I think they're more like maybe the 12th, 10th best defense, something like that. Uh, definitely got a lot better with Bates there. He's he's been a monster. They got they got the run stuffing personnel, it seems, and uh they'll they'll always show up. But if Derek Carr is just slightly better than he usually is if if he's uh if he's a little bit more courageous than he usually is then he should keep it together against a defense like this if only because the the pass catchers are just really good all year or sorry going into this year we always had good reason to say that this pass catcher rotation the saints have is one of the best in the league uh even after michael thomas's injury i think that's the case because as Jawan johnson showed last week he always could have been the last three weeks, I guess you could say he always could have been one of the most productive tight ends in the league. And to be slightly more fair to Carr, Johnson was constantly pointed out as his, one of his main targets in training camp. And that kind of makes sense. Derek Carr, his inclination as a quarterback is to always seek shelter and hide from pressure and checking down is one way that is expressed as a passer. So um, Jawan Johnson could have been there or if he had been there all year, things could look a little different. Olave, as he has shown the past, uh, he's been he's been like injured and sick the past month, and he's still putting up really good numbers as he's apparently clicking a little better with Carr, who is just you know knuckleballing all over the place. They they couldn't get on the same page apparently. Uh, like a like a catcher who is who is after many grueling practice sessions earned the trust of R. A. Dickey. You know <laughs> he's now 
got the the certification to catch passes from Derek Carr. Uh, Rashid Shahid is still a monster in my opinion. So uh, there's 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 a lot at uh, the the route running positions that makes it easy for Carr to show up in any game, and this this one included, especially because the Falcons have no pass rush. They they're all year they're, they've been completely devoid of pass rush, or at least since the Grady Jarrett injury. It's like their best edge rusher is. Ibikiti or something who's who's like a backup mostly I don't even know what they're doing so uh if Carr feels senses pressure in this game it's all in his mind and that does happen sometimes he'll he'll imagine it but it won't be there and if he if he if he understands that it's not there and keeps it together he should be able to do a lot more damage than the Falcons passing game uh no matter what conditions you lay out for them and and then of course if you don't lay out conditions for the Falcons game it's like there's there's a uh, the passing game there's a lot that can go wrong there. So the Saints should have a safe advantage here, um, in my opinion, just because even bad car is better than Heineke or uh, you know Ritter. But uh, the Falcons, because they make the game so short, they always ha- they have a way of like being within field goal range of winning or tying, no matter how bad their offense is. And that's clearly what they're banking on here. And it's uh, I assume the people who are betting the spread on the Falcons side they're they're banking on that dynamic too yeah uh, at, yeah the Falcons games like the the end result is always almost always um a close game uh and you're also guaranteed a, a pretty ugly game if you're if you're a Falcons fan do you just want to lose this game so that you don't yes. really have have to like have that shallow empty playoff berth that, that keeps Arthur Smith employed yeah, I I will say I don't know if that would keep Arthur employed, but it it's certainly a risk that the Falcons fans don't need, and uh, they they could use whatever draft positioning they they you know can get. So uh, it's it's tough uh, situation that they're in because it it's uh, they're in like a purgatory hell kind of thing where their actions might trap them for for longer yet than need be and. Uh, I don't know which way it's going to go. I do think Arthur Smith gets fired either way, though. I think that was settled once uh, there's that other stupid game a week or two ago. Panthers. Yeah, I think I think the owner, that was the kind of thing that an owner sees and cares about and never really forgets. And I, I think when that happened, Arthur Smith was uh, he, he signed his papers back to uh, Memphis. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. Losing the Panthers was probably the, the death knell for him, but. Uh, we'll see. Atlanta is one of those teams that that likely, um, sort of like the Steelers, probably enters the the veteran quarterback carousel. Um, I don't think the bit like we'll get to the Bears, but I don't think the Bears trade Justin Fields to the Falcons. But it's certainly you know something that people will will be talking about as as a potential. But uh, I I could see Russ ending up there um, as with well. the Falcons. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, uh, I think what happens next with the Falcons depends a lot on if it's just Arthur Smith or if it's Arthur Smith and Terry Fontenot that get fired because uh, there's there's even even the way it's gone. Of course, there's there's a way it could have gone differently. They could have taken Justin Fields over Kyle Pitts if they uh, taking Kyle Pitts. They could have emphasized more of a passing ideology in their next coaching hire to, to get better results, et cetera, et cetera. There's there's so many ways this all could have been avoided. And I think a certain kind of uh, shot caller can get the, the Falcons on track pretty quickly. But to me, a Russell Wilson signing would not constitute such a course. So 
uh, if if they sign some if, if it's some goof who's running the show then i i, I think the wilson uh possibility you know gains from that yeah exa- exactly so uh they're definitely team with a lot to to get sorted out uh, as we get into the offseason regardless of whether um they're able to get it done on sunday uh before we move on to our next game which will be jags titans got a message from our friends over at odds are are you ready to revolutionize your sports betting approach? Begin with a two-week free trial at oddsr.com, where cutting-edge AI technology sharpens your edge in the betting game. Benefit from our proven two-year track record boasting 60% accuracy rate and an impressive 10% ROI. The Oddsar AI meticulously sifts through extensive data to reveal high-value green plays, guiding you towards smarter betting decisions. And it's not just about the numbers. The Odds Are app is exceptionally user-friendly, crafted to be your go-to betting advisor right at your fingertips. Jumpstart your journey to betting smarter and more successfully. Simply visit the iOS or Google Play Store, download the Odds Are app, and step into a world of confident betting. Your path to a more strategic betting experience starts with our two-week free trial. Download today where smart strategy triumphs over luck. Again, that's oddsr, spelled O-D-D-S-R.com. Also got a message from our friends over at Smash Up. Are you one of the many sports fans who is not ready for the season to end? Then you have to play Smash Up Fantasy Sports, the fastest growing free game. In Smash Up, your traditional fantasy team gets supercharged by Smash Cards, which are like video game power-ups that you pick to boost the scores of your players or even your entire team. Think your kicker is going to have a big game? Then choose a card like Big Kick Energy to power them up. Are you starting Justin Fields? Then play Scramble Spikes to score more from his running. Paired with cool video game-like visuals, Smash Up is the biggest innovation in fantasy sports in a very long time and really feels like it was designed for sports fans. Here's the best part. You can play for free and win fantastic prizes. No credit card needed, no hidden fees. All users receive three entries per week, but with our code ROTOWIRE, you'll unlock a fourth entry every week through the Super Bowl. And if you use our promo code or join the group ROTOWIRE from your profile, you can play against us in our private tournament for a chance to win a free ROTOWIRE fantasy football subscription. Enter now at smashupsports.com and join the future of fantasy sports onward to nashville got the jags and the titans jags four and a half point favorites jags kind of in a a perilous spot but in a better spot still um than some of their other afc south compadres uh they can clinch the south with a win or a tie plus a houston indy tie or they can clinch a, a wild card spot if they tie and pittsburgh loses or ties, or a Pittsburgh loss, a Denver loss or tie, and a Houston-Indianapolis uh, result. So a little convoluted there, but basically it's pretty straightforward. If Jacksonville wins, they get a home playoff game. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't know what to make of the Titans side of this. I guess uh, we can probably assume that Mike Rabel, maybe more than anyone in the league, would uh, – get an immense high out of being a spoiler, especially to a divisional opponent. Uh, he, he wouldn't get a, get as much of a high as if urban Meyer were still the coach. Uh, apparently Mike Rabel will 
one day slay urban meyer uh but uh good man in the meantime he's gonna maybe probably try to just you know give doug peterson an ulcer by <laughs> getting the win here even though in theory they shouldn't really have any reason to care certainly they're a bit shorthanded i don't know what to make the quarterback situation i mean i don't really believe levis is better than Tannehill at this point but Tannehill has been awful enough that it's you know fair to suspect that the the levis injury undermines them here what i yeah i can't tell what to expect from um as a person who who tends to lean negative with the jaguars offense under the direction of uh sherwood press taylor i wonder if the titans defense can come through with like a legitimately strong game here or if i or if uh the possibility is overestimated by me because of, of that kind of assumption of negativity with the Jags offense. But um, unless press Taylor shows a complete like inversion of nature here, I think, yeah, you got to You almost have to give the advantage to the Titans defense because there's only something like six or seven defenses in the league. Maybe that I would give the Jags offense the advantage, even though they probably have one of the, I don't know, 10 most talented offenses in the league. So the uh, the extent of the failure and almost sabotage in the case of Taylor is something that I can't emphasize enough. I don't just repeat it out of compulsion. It's like I I'm I really am serious about how bad I think it is, and um, I think the Jags got to be careful. Like if they if they're sloppy at all, uh, if their defense especially disappoints at all, you know that 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 could get out of hand quick or it could get away from them much easier than they might suspect because it's just. You know, one turnover that the Titans turn into a touchdown or one short field that the Titans turn into a touchdown. If Derrick Henry gets rolling at all and the Jaguars are behind in the scoreboard, that the, those two details alone might be enough to bury them. Yeah, I, I do think I like the Titans against the spread, and I think I like the under in this one. The under is set at 40 uh, over at BetMGM. I think it's like an ugly game that the Jags kind of back their way into winning by by like a field goal. But I don't trust them. I'll say Titans. I don't think that I think Jags are weak. Jags are fake. They they're uh, they're they're all nonsense. Basically, I don't I don't think they have it. You know, I don't either. It's disappointing because it. I don't know. Even when they were rolling, they they had what like a seven or eight. Oh, they sucked all year. Even when even they're winning games, I was like, that team sucks. (laughs) Don't talk about that team. That team is terrible. Yeah, it's so um, uh, it is all avoidable. I mean. if Antonio Pierce were running the Jags, they're like thirteen and four, you know. Yeah, but it, instead they're they're fighting for their, for their uh, playoff life, or, the, or more specifically, like uh, winning the division. Uh, but they do still need to uh, to get this done this weekend in order uh, to clinch a postseason berth. But at this stage, I think I like I, as just a neutral observer, I think I'd probably enjoy watching the Texans a little bit more in, in the playoffs. Or oh god, or, yes, um, but better team for sure. Yeah, I think so. And uh, better coached as, as you know, you're you're aptly putting there uh, on the Tennessee side. Is this the last game we see Derrick Henry in a Titans uniform? Oh, probably. Um, I don't know if, if we got to factor that into our narrative machine at all. Our narrative model. See if see if that changes the projection. With, but it's the narrative model loves something like that. The, the narrative model has has uh, put a good flag on, on Derrick Henry's projection for this week. Yeah, man. I guess uh, I guess I'm in. I'm in. Uh, why not? Yeah. Uh, it's it's uh, the the Vrabel factor. You know, he's he's 
that's why Vrabel will take it so seriously. Actually, it's not even to spoil any other team or any particular team in this case, you know, divisional rival. It's that Mike Vrabel is the guy who said like all the teams, he what was that quote. He said like every, all those other teams, you know, they got this or that, but we're different because we have Derek uh, expletive Henry. And that was this off season that he said that wasn't it. It's not like this is not so. something from like four years ago. So um, if that's how he sees it, this might be like a, you know, a, a kind of Braveheart last stand kind of thing to Vrabel because because he's he's so in it with Henry specifically. And we've seen Henry do crazy stuff against the Jags before. The Jags defense uh, much better right now that, than it was in some of those instances. But who knows? Maybe he goes back into the way back machine uh, one more time. Uh, let's get on to the afternoon slate. We've got the Seahawks and the Cardinals. Seahawks, two and a half point favorites. On the road, Seahawks um, sort of in a, a, a better boat um, than, than, say, the, Viking, uh, the Vikings, but uh, not a great one. They definitely need some help here. Uh, obviously can't win the division. They need to win, and they need Green Bay to lose or tie um, or a bunch of other stuff involving the, the, the Packers, a constant, and then the, the Bucks uh, or the, the Saints also uh, slipping up this weekend in order to, to get in. But they got to win or tie uh, either way. And, you know, uh, Clay, ha- Clay has it as such that, um, you know, Arizona doesn't have anything to play for because they're eliminated. But I don't know. I, the, how you feel about the Titans against the Jags is sort of how I feel about the Cardinals going up uh, against the Seahawks here. I could see them wanting to, like, end the season on a good note. They, they yeah, the, last Card- week. the Cardinals will definitely show up and, try their best i just can't tell i can't tell what a fair expectation is and i can't tell what what a likely outcome would be but i think the basic issue is the cardinals outside corners as i've been saying all year they're not built to cover any nfl rotation uh, any any nfl receiver rotation in particular and certainly not guys like dk metcalf tyler lockett um I would mention Jackson Smith and Jigba, but at least that that rookie third round pick Garrett Williams seems like he might be pretty good in the slot for the Cardinals. So uh, I would still give Jackson Smith and Jigba the edge there, though. And if the pass rush can't cause problems, and I think it's it's often been the pass rush that has been an issue for Geno Smith this year, then I think it should just be target practice for Geno Smith pretty much. And if the Seahawks passing game is rolling, they win most of the time you know it's like that's they've struggled to get it going and in competitively meaningful games that sometimes this year but um i I just don't think that the the things that trip them up in those cases are likely to show up here so i i think the seahawks pretty much take care of business here uh basic reason being the cardinals are a bad team and i think uh, while the Seahawks have their limitations, they they don't strike me as the kind of team that shows up to a competitively significant game like this and then you know sleepwalks into it. Like I think they'll if there is if they're even like a you know seven out of ten kind of team, they should be able to take care of this. And I think they you know are pretty much right at that line. Okay. I mean, it, it's good to talk some sense into me because I was, you know, spouting well, optimism about the Arizona Cardinals. But you're not wrong to do that. I mean, I could be wrong. It's this is just, you know, I, I, I just, 
if I think about DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett getting 18 targets against this defense, the projection comes out to something like 200 yards and uh, projections are uh, often wrong. And certainly mine uh, more than anyone else's, but uh, this just seems like it's a lot to ask of the Arizona defense to, to have like an upset worthy showing here. This is true. Um, I will say that the Seahawks only scored 20 on them earlier this year. And that was in Seattle. Now that means that. Yeah. It's uh, I think uh, just in this case, they're, they're more likely, I don't know, those, those outside corners, just uh, the more reps that they have to cover against the receivers, the more, I expect those receivers to go. It's almost like any any down game the first time around, I, I, I'm sooner going to see as a reason for correction here rather than like the part one of a downward trend. And then, you know, lo- looking at the other side, of the, is there any like vulnerabilities that you'd be concerned about on the on the Seahawks defense if you're backing Seattle, um, given how Arizona's been? Yeah. I wouldn't say they've been humming, but they, I mean, they sort of ambushed <laughs> uh, the, the, the Eagles last week and ran for a ton of yards. Um, you know, if they, do, if Seattle James doesn't come correct against the run. Yeah. Yeah. Running backs do matter. Uh, quarterbacks don't. And then the Cardinals gave a painful demonstration of, of that fact to the, to the Eagles last week. Anybody playing the Cardinals has to worry about James Connor, I think first. And uh, the Seahawks have had some trouble on the ground this year. I, I think they've been okay, but not good enough that you feel safe around James Connor. I mean, the Eagles have a tough run defense and they got, you know, ran over by, by Connor. So uh, Connor, and then I guess to a lesser extent, McBride, but uh, I don't, I don't know if that's one of those things. Like if I don't, I don't think the, uh, the Seahawks are particularly vulnerable to tight ends, but if you don't, it is like, if you stop McBride at this point, you stop the whole Arizona passing game. Cause be it Kyler, the system, the receiver personnel, whatever, they're just not getting anything going there consistently. Uh, they're just checking down at pretty much every receiver rep, which isn't a good McBride is their downfield threat right now. So um, it's, it's, uh, it's one of those things like it's, it's simple to, to say what the Seahawks need to do to get the win. But on the other hand, if you don't, if you don't keep McBride under 80 yards, you're in a lot of trouble right there. At least if Connor keeps producing, like he has, pretty much his whole career. I will say um, just general comment, huge kudos to you for putting out the, uh, the McBride radar as a good uh, last round pick in best ball that this summer, he ended up on a lot of teams that, that advanced to, you know, the playoffs or even, even the finals. Cause I mean, you know, whereas like with, with some rookies, you know, it's like, oh, they have the draft capital. We, we don't know how they've done in the NFL just yet, but you know, we, we could maybe squint and see, a way in which a Sam Laporta is able to, to get it done, which you also called, but McBride, when you uh, have not kind like of a nothing, <laughs> no, uh, Laporta is like the tight end one this year, isn't he? That's crazy. I believe so. Uh, but yeah, in, late in round McBride's case, yeah. it, it, in McBride's case, what I'm saying is like yeah. after kind of like a, a, a dud rookie year in an offense with that didn't project to do anything being like, no, I like him in the, in the 18th round. Like that was huge. Yeah, thanks. Uh, yeah, it was late round tight end. It's Laporta. I still think Jawan Johnson could have been one of those guys if he just didn't get hurt. And seeing the last three weeks is is only agonizing, uh, rather than like vindicating. But uh, yeah, the, the McBride thing. Uh, I even I'm surprised at how much he took over that offense. I thought he'd like eke out 65 catches or something, and it's it's now like 
if they don't get him the ball, they're just kind of throwing the ball away. Yeah, I mean, he, he's been a beast. He's at 78 catches for 791 yards, only two touchdowns, which is a little bit surprising. But, Bad team um, still is the problem. Yeah. Yep, but, um, you know, again, I always tout this, but uh, if you look at our player page, you know, a, a, sim- a mind as simple as mine uh, needs color coding. And uh, <laughs> a lot of green for all of uh, McBride's yeah. metrics, not a lot of red. Right. Yeah. He's, he's doing a really good job. Uh, hopefully they can get more touchdowns next year. So uh, he can get to four or five, something like there that. There we go. I'm, uh, we're calling it now. He's going to score slightly more next year. Um, but either way, awesome year from him. One of the, one of like the, uh, the fantasy heroes uh, from this season. Uh, let's go bears Packers. Um, another potential spoiler setup: the Packers teetering on the edge of a playoff berth. Uh, the Bears have since been eliminated, but I mean the record's not far behind. They are seven and nine. Packers eight and eight. Uh, Packers win and they're in, or a bunch of other crazy stuff happens if they tie um, in order to to get them into the postseason. Again, Bears done for the year. This game taking place in Green Bay. Uh, we've got the Packers as three point favorites in this one. Over under set at forty four and a half. I love the Bears here. Really? Love them. Love, love them. the Bears. <laughs> uh, so, so yeah, why don't you uh, elaborate on that? Well, I, I think that they are incentivized to to end the year strong. Um, I, I don't know if Bears fans really want Eberflus back, but it sounds like it's what's going to happen anyway. With with <laughs> yeah, so, that's, that's so an, funny. That's awesome. That's so cool. But I, you know, it, it's been a winding journey for for Justin Fields to get to this point, but I think he's shown enough at this stage where it's like, yeah, no, I'd rather ride with him than take a gamble on the rookie. And, and I understand where you get to reset the clock as far as the the contract goes on a potential franchise changing quarterback. But I think you also get more potentially uh, in, in a trade return by shopping the first overall pick in this year's class, getting, you know, moving back a little bit, getting, getting a high draft pick likely, uh, for next year, similar to you know how they got for, from Carolina, they could get an absolute king's ransom uh, this year, in my opinion, for the first overall pick. And if Fields proves to not be it, then you have a really high pick next year. And if he does, then you have a team that is set up at quarterback and you get a top 10 pick. Like That is extremely rare, and it's something that gives you extreme leverage. So that's just my 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 p's and q's on on uh on fields in the, the quarterback situation there in chicago but the defense has played well they've just generally been a, a very solid team over the second half of the season and they get a chance to you know when, when the packers kind of rained on on the bears hype parade in, in week one they they get to kind of return the favor here uh in lambo yeah it's a dangerous spot for the packers i mean i guess they might get Jair Alexander back but I don't know what that whole situation is so weird don't know what to make of it and um DJ Moore is is really really good of course and uh, I think it's DJ Moore's numbers that show Justin Fields is good enough as a passer and basically is the kind of player that that the bears need him to be and that, that any team that lacks a quarterback should want to have as their franchise quarterback. And what I mean more specifically is 
you see a lot of these anti-fields arguments where people are like, oh, but he's so bad as a passer. His, his yards per attempt, completion rate or whatever. These are these numbers are so bad. And they are uh, problematically low figures. Like they need to improve, basically. But DJ Moore has played for other teams in his career, uh, you know, the Panthers in each case. But a number of scenarios he's gone through, we've gotten certain case studies of what kind of numbers he gives you with certain kinds of players throwing him the ball. And in none of his seasons did he have a uh, none of his uh, career seasons did he have a, a year as productive as this one. And this year, DJ Moore is catching seventy point eight. I guess you know, granted, Fields missed a handful of these games. Um, if I, I wish I could. He's run a the Tyson Bajant merchant. Tyson Bajant merchant. And I, I wish I could run the splits uh, on on just the, the Justin Fields games. But DJ Moore has caught ninety two of one hundred and thirty targets, seventy point eight percent catch rate at one hundred. Uh, sorry, thirteen hundred yards precisely 10 yards per target he had 10 yards per target one other year in 2020 10.1 even but he caught 66 of 118 targets that year so this is this is a catch rate distinction of like 15 points that's that that's it's it's dj moore's production that tells you what justin fields is as a passer basically and more specifically dj moore in in this construction of the offense for justin fields abilities as a passer anyway was the only viable target him and cole Komet, i guess you'd say so you look at those numbers. You look at not, not the numbers of Darnell Mooney, these targets that were all wasted, Equinemia St. Brown, whatever else. You look at the targets to DJ Moore and Cole Komet, and you you reason, well, if we get a third pass catcher who can give returns like these, all of a sudden Justin Fields' numbers go from you know 62% completed, 7.0 yards per attempt, to 66% completed at 7.7 yards per attempt. And then all the narratives about him as a passer go away, just like that. And instead, you got people who are just looking at numbers without any of the other contacts. Going, oh, well, on the Dante Pettis team, he wasn't as good. Like, yeah, <laughs> thanks for pointing that out. Uh, yeah. Why don't you go compare like that one uh, big Elon Musk fan analytics guy comparing him to Mitch Trubisky based on his uh, proprietary metrics, uh, similar charts going into this year. Like, yeah, go go listen to more people like that. Let's let's find more of these people to 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 break it down for us. And this is the thing that it's it's important with respect to polls and what he's going to actually do because the question of what they should do basically doesn't matter. Polls is a political creature, and we know this because of all those leaks last off season about how even this year we we're not even like two months removed from there being a game where the Bears lost and Fields was leaking to the press like he never said he was sold on Fields. He never said that. You know, don't hold me to that. Now we're going back more the other direction, granted. But because Fields will cost so much to extend and because Caleb Williams, Drake May will have team control at such uh, lower figures on the cap, you're going to see these analytics people put out articles. There's going to be this drip drip about uh, maybe they should trade Fields just like last year. They're going to do the same thing because to them, the situation hasn't changed. And Ryan Poles reads that stuff. And so do owners. So so do, uh, you know, any front office guy looks at this stuff. So it'll be interesting to watch polls do the political calculation on this whole thing, because if he's thinking like, actually, all all the all the smart analytics people, you know, Sumer Sports wrote a blog that a lot of people saw about how actually it might be smarter to take Caleb Williams and trade Justin Fields for two first round picks. That kind of stuff is going to show up. He's going to it's going to show up to polls and he's going to read it and he's going to. Maybe he won't be affected by it. Maybe he will. I don't know. But I, I don't I don't think it's a lock that Fields is there. I think there's still a coin flips chance he's somewhere else. Maybe Atlanta, which would be funny. I just think and maybe that this is reading too much from 
maybe it was Jeremy Fowler report that yeah, essentially Fields would draw like a, a second round pick on, on, in a trade right now. Maybe that's no. undervaluing it, but no. um, at, the, at the same <laughs> no. time, no, um, that's ridiculous. Let, let me cook. Um, but I know you're like, cooking it, that, that it's, I just, there's, there's such a, there's such easy purchase for anti fields drivel. I'm blown away by it. Sorry. That's, that's what I'm like. That's what I'm losing my mind about here. But I still think with this quarterback class being what it's perceived to be and the bears having the, the first overall pick, the first crack at it, they could get a crazy haul for it. Like, I do think that, that, that is a bigger trade ship for them than fields at this point. So I say, and I'm like the least kind of generous person towards the bears. I think that they take up way more oxygen in the media in just in my day-to-day life than uh, they are deserving of for having just one Super Bowl championship 40 years ago almost. But it, I know, I'm just chucking it. But go ahead, trade the first overall pick, trade back to like three or four, get yourself Marvin Harrison Jr. And then Fields, more DJ Moore, Marvin Harrison Jr. Come on. That's good. I agree uh, you don't need to sell me on that. I, 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 to be unequivocally clear, I think the Bears should stick with Fields, and whatever else they do isn't even that important to me. I think they should just stick with Fields because I, I think Fields is that good. But yeah, man, if it, what the the other detail we got to keep in mind is what it will cost for him to be extended. Because right, if the the higher that number is, the more you're going to see this cr- criticism of Fields. Uh, so we'll see how it all shakes out. But I, I. I don't know, man. I I just think it's there's still a chance that if 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 polls can get a first and a third for Fields, for, if you're the Jets, why wouldn't you do that, right? There, there's mm-hmm. got to be some team that would be willing to do that, in my opinion. One second round pick. I think that guy was taking his estimation from a website that probably hates running quarterbacks. But uh, I think uh, if if Fields costs something like what what is it even going to be? If 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 stupid Daniel Jones is 160 million over four years then fields could be like 200 and if it's that high i could see polls going like no we'll trade him to a team that that will pay him that and we'll we'll take the rookie so those those are the details that have to shake out i think and also uh, i and i am a justin fields fan it took me a little bit to to get over him uh leaving the university of georgia but (laughs) uh, but alas but i'm i'm absolutely pulling for him and also going back to uh bagging on chicago a little bit I'm a big Caleb Williams fan too. He went to my high school. I don't oh. want him to go there. So uh, Chicago generally ruins quarterbacks. I think Fields is like the the only answer that they have. They should be happy that that it's turned out or starting to turn out uh, the way that it is. I don't want to see Caleb Williams in Chicago. Maybe for his uh, own sake. Maybe the Bears can trade Fields to the Falcons, and the Falcons can hire Ben Johnson, and then the Bears can take Drake May. Is that, I, yeah, is that a good enough deal for you? I'll take it. Um, okay. You know, I, I, Drake, Drake May is is merely collateral to to me. And then uh, adding on uh, again, being a, a DC area guy, uh, I would Caleb Williams to to Washington would be it, it'd be like the most textbook Dan Snyder move. Uh, but Dan Snyder's not the owner anymore, so I don't know if if they'll move heaven and earth to make that happen or not. Yeah, I don't know anything about those people, but uh, anyway, if uh, if if we can get Drake made to Chicago, you know, Human Shield, uh, get Caleb to someplace safe, maybe 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 this maybe this scenario will happen if we just uh, envision it. 
enough. All right, we we got to start, you know, you got to start now. You got to start, you know, like uh, putting things out in the universe early, then the higher chance, higher the likelihood. You see, okay, you get it. You get it. We, I mean, we've been buddies and co-hosts for <laughs> long enough for, for the people out there to, to know what we're about. Um, okay, that was a nice little diatribe on, on the Bears-Packers that uh, didn't really touch on the game too much, but either way. I think the Bears go in there and and foul it up for for uh, yeah. the pack. Um, Chiefs Chargers, bleh. Chargers three and a half point favorites. Mahomes not playing in this one, of course. I mean, just instead of breaking down like the the angles for for this game, where what's your stopping point on the Chiefs for for this season? Like, are they are they one and done? Unless they play a really bad team in the first round, yeah, I think so too. They, it's the best Brett Veach masterclass on how to just slam, sh- not permanently, but for, for one year anyway, slam shut a Super Bowl window. Because uh, fact is, they wanted to polish that turd, uh, the, the Kadarius Tony trade, and they wanted to save money on Chris Jones to get to get those to get that that praise the praise were the article responses from the analytics people. They wanted to show like, I'm not overspending for a stupid defensive player. I'm not, I'm not going to fall for that. I'll, I'm going to be smart, get the safe value with Kadarius Tony at receiver, take my savings into the off season or something. I don't even know what he thought was going to happen, but instead they end up paying up for Chris Jones on a one-year deal anyway. And they don't clear the cap space necessary to sign Deandre Hopkins. If they had done that, if, if, if Brett Veach, uh, if, instead of being such a smart, uh, thrifty guy, if he had just paid up for Chris Jones, one of the best defensive players of the past 20 years, they would have had enough money on hand to then sign DeAndre Hopkins. And then basically all these problems that they have with their passing game never occur. It just never happens. They just roll. The defense just stays eating quarterbacks because Pat Mahomes throws another 45 touchdowns or whatever. It would have been that precisely simple. But instead, it was... Equally simply the case that, oh, if you want to go with Kadarius, Tony, Sky Moore, Justin Watson as your outside receivers, guess what? Wildcard exit. Yeah, yeah, honestly, it, it, it will be interesting, if nothing else, uh, to see the Chiefs on the road in the playoffs. We have not seen that in the Mahomes era. Yeah, they're going to be bad because uh, they've already been disappointing for reasons that were, I think, predictable uh if if if, uh if we knew that they were going to run this kind of offense this particular especially if if, you know travis kelsey's seeming decline had been factored in it's like you wore away whatever your margin was you you don't budget as like a solvent offense anymore and um it's so funny to me too i mean i've pointed this out on twitter i don't know if people think i'm joking but (laughs) them bench them benching meikle hardman slammed the door shut on their own offense. I mean, say what anyone wants about Michael Hardman, but he gave them 66% catch rate at over nine yards a target playing 600 plus snaps per season for four years. And Justin Watson is not doing that. Marcus Valdez Scantling, not doing that. Not even close for Andy Reed to look at something so glaringly obvious as that. And then just stay stumped, stay completely out of ideas of how to fix it. Even though he just watched it. He, j- he himself spent years watching it and he still stands up there. He's like, I guess we just got to get Justin Watson going. You're not, he did you, go to you, Penn. You, yeah. You're getting colder, buddy. You're not getting any closer on this one. You're, you're, you're not going to get there is what it is. Yeah. No, they, they obviously need, I, 
Yeah, maybe the Chiefs did need like a little bit of a kick to the to the groin uh, this year to to get themselves back on track for the rest of Mahomes' prime. But um, yeah, this was quite a way of going about it. Um, and and yeah, I'm not I'm not. They did everything much. wrong. Everything they wrong. did. Crazy. Um, let's go Broncos Raiders. We got the Raiders two and a half point favorites in this one. Another game uh, where uh, both teams are, you know, kind of set as far as how their season uh, has ended with both teams being eliminated. Uh, Las Vegas, not seven and nine, Denver, eight and eight going into this one. Again, the uh, Raiders two and a half point favorites in this one over under uh, set at 38 and a half. Any kind of interesting pieces that, that you're looking at from this one? Uh, not really. I mean, Antonio Pierce is the main interest in this, you know, the Raiders, of course, and therefore this game. So, uh, definitely keeping an eye on him and and what he gets done. But as far as like scouting takeaways, this is more analogous to like a fourth preseason game. You know, it's, it's, there's nothing really that this is going to determine for us. I'm, I'm trying to figure out how I want to phrase this, but like, I don't want this week to be the week that gets Marvin Mims on everyone's radar. I want him to stay a secret for next year. Yeah, uh, I can imagine him being a confusing evaluation for some people and not to make him sound simple as an evaluation, but I personally personally am not uh, deterred at all. Like there, there might be a sort of um, reaction narrative on Mims since there was – the hype for him in that first six weeks or so where they let him play like 10 snaps a game and he'd have, he'd lead the team in receiving yards and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. Um, He's cooled off since then, of course. But uh, if someone were to read that as, Oh, he, uh, he turned out to be a flash in the pan or whatever. Like, no, that's not really the read here. The read here is that obviously he was going to hit a cold stretch because he wasn't going to finish his rookie year with, you know, like, 800 yards on 300 snaps or whatever he was on pace for in the the first uh, six weeks. So there was necessarily going to be a cold period or we would be forced to conclude by the end of his rookie year that he's one of the best receivers in the league, which would be ridiculous. It's things like that happen occasionally, but it it would be a ridiculous standard to hold him to. So with Mims, we already know it's like given his frame, given, given his skill set, he's not going to be, like a 120 catch receiver who goes over the middle over and over Bodie will be is more like a T.Y. Hilton type who he'll lead your team in catches a couple times, but it's, it's probably more like 90 catches than 110. The trade-off is he's going to get you some years where he's like 15, 16 yards a catch and the touchdown. If, if he's, if he's with a good passer, if he's in an effective offense throwing downfield, especially if they, if they can do that, he'll have a high touchdown to target ratio eventually too, in my opinion. So uh, Mims is really young and uh, he's, he's, he's gotta be like, I don't know. It's gotta be like two years younger than Zay flowers or somebody who wasn't an underclassman. So it's more like in a year Mims producing from that point is where we start to get more uh, stringent. I don't know if that's the right word where we, where we get less lenient with the evaluation of his production, because it'll be mm-hmm. more at a point in his development where it's like, okay, it, it's, it makes sense to hold him to standards of particular kinds now. Right. And, you know, with, with uh, Jared Judy and Cortland Sutton, you know, taking up a lot of the, a lot of the receiver snaps there. And then their, their love of little Jordan Humphrey and Brandon Johnson <laughs> and so on. Um, you know, maybe Peyton 
uh, along with Andy Reid, uh, lost the plot just a little bit. But um, yeah, b- bottom line here is um, I-, I want the the people who uh, victory lap to like the Marvin Mims, I want them to stay wrong um, by virtue of being right for one more week. Fair enough. Yeah, I I am a fan of Mims long term. Looks like he'll turn twenty two in uh, mid March. So next year he'll he'll be more the age that a fourth year graduate would have been, and it, it'll be more uh, it'll be worth you know zooming in a little bit. Is Judy going to be there next year? I don't know. I can't tell what. <laughs> it would be, it would be helpful to know who Sean Payton likes or dislikes personally. Uh, the the list of the second sort could be rather long and anybody on it is liable to get pushed out. Even if they've been productive for them, even if they could be productive in some hypothetical scenario, coaches who don't get along with players will get rid of them. You know, they could, they just, they just do. And they bring in their cronies a lot of the time. Like we might see uh, like Michael Thomas go to Denver or something like that. Uh, so, uh, I, I don't know if Judy's on the list of players that Peyton hates as, as Russell Wilson apparently was, but if he is, he's gone. Uh, I happen to be, I, I feel like I'm a Jerry Judy truther, even though I never meant to be that big of a fan, but everybody thinks he's so bad now that I kind of am a truther. I think he's a totally good starter. I, I, don't, I just don't think he can play with Russell Wilson. Yeah. And uh, yeah, the evidence uh, mounting against Russ, but obviously we, we don't have to see any more of that uh, this year. Um, we've got Eagles, Giants. We've got the Eagles as just four and a half point favorites on the road in this one. As far as the Eagles are concerned, um, they, they can win this one and uh, get the get the two seed potentially, depending on what happens with, with Dallas, or uh, drop down to the five seed. So uh, they need to take care of business here. Do we even trust them to do that at this point? I guess we shouldn't. Uh, I mean, trust is is definitely not the word at this point. I, th- I think we have like expectations for the Eagles, but they're not trustworthy anymore. They clearly are are kind of like running out whatever premise they were working on in the first place, and they have to figure out something. Uh, admittedly, I don't have as easy of an explanation for why they are floundering in a in a game like Week 16 against the Giants because. To me, a lot of the problems with the, the Eagles offense this year is simply that they have overexposed Jalen Hurts as a passer. They've overexposed their pass catching personnel by throwing the ball too much and not running enough. But 20 carries for DeAndre Swift in week, week 16 is uh, admittedly all I could ask for. And yet they, they had some of their same problems in that one. I guess in that case, they, it was more they, they ran. Uh, I assume they ran 70 plus plays. So the, the issue, I guess, would have been the, the, the share of the offense, even if the volume of the carries was pretty high. Um, yeah, they played 74 snaps in that game. Uh, so that's a lot of snaps. Um, to me, the basic issue with the, the Eagles offense is Miles Sanders's production has not been replaced. And we know because of what's happened with Miles Sanders in Carolina, he's not even that good. So if Miles Sanders in his 1200 yards, 11 touchdowns at 4.9 yards per carry cannot get matched by Deandre Swift then either we're forced to conclude that DeAndre Swift is not as good as Miles Sanders, which I really do not believe, or we have to suspect that something has just been mismanaged in the time in between. Something has, something has been managed differently. And that makes perfectly good sense because Shane Steichen was there in 2022, but not this year. So I think it, I think it 
I mean, you know, I'm biased. I'm inclined to think this way because uh, Rashad Penny is a really good NFL running back. And it's as a runner in particular that he is good. The Eagles have made all this space in their offense for Kenneth Gainwell, Boston Scott, uh, even DeAndre Swift, of course, in some cases, uh, at the expense of Rashad Penny. And I don't know. I, I feel like Rashad Penny is such an obvious way for them to bridge that gap in production between Swift and, and Sanders. And uh, if Swift can't get there himself, I mean, so uh, they, they've overexposed their passing game. Now they find themselves at a point where defense have, have adjusted. They're at the point in, in this, this long game of, you know, paradigm shifts, things that were working for them for two and a half years have been figured out, have been adjusted to. And now the Eagles need to find a way to counter adjust, find the new openings that defenses are conceding that they weren't two and a half years ago and find a way to make them pay for it, at least until they open up those looks again that were working the two and a half years prior. And the, to this point, in each case they've been they've been tested on this issue, they've failed. They just go out there, they keep spinning their wheels, they just get further down in the dirt, and then the game just sort of ends. And then we go to next week and we wonder, uh, did they fix it? No, I think at this point we can assume they're not going to fix it because they'd have to change their approach and they're not, they're loath to do it. They, they, they have this vision of a, of a Smurf running back offense and an off and a passing game that goes 40 plus times a game, even though Jalen hurts can only make like three or four kinds of throws. And they just, they just cross their fingers and hope it all scales up and it doesn't. And we're seeing uh, the dysfunction resulting from that. And it, what, where does like the AJ Brown, it, Decline in production. I'm not saying that AJ Brown is is washed by any means, but I, I, it's confusing to me how since the bye week, AJ Brown has caught 38 of 65 targets uh, for 442 yards. So, so that's just 11 yards a catch, just one touchdown um, after the the pre buy sample where he was averaging 15 yards a catch, catching 67 of 92 targets for over a thousand yards through the first nine weeks. What happened? Well, so this is why I, I talk a lot about budgeting offenses and making sure your budget makes sense before you like plunge ahead with it. Because after the first uh, whatever number of weeks, uh, eight, let's say, A.J. Brown had something like 12 yards a target to his credit, and he was getting like 12 targets a game. So if you're the Eagles and you're, you're witnessing that, it's of course good to see, but you need to start asking yourself the question of like, well, what if that dries up? And you have to assume it will because you're otherwise assuming A.J. Brown's going to finish a season at 12 yards a target, which on his target volume would mean something like 2,800 yards receiving. So obviously that's not going to happen. You have to assume as the Eagles that, of course, this will not happen. And just the same, you have to start figuring out answers right now for what you're going to do when it does happen. And what we're seeing their answer is, is keep mashing the same button. Just keep mashing the same button and hoping it fix, hope it fixes itself. And it won't because the fundamental issue is, again, overexposure. The production that A.J. Brown was getting, that Jalen Hurts was getting via A.J. Brown, was compelling defenses to reshape themselves, re realign, reposition players, reconsider personnel groupings entirely to stopping that one part of the Eagles offense. And they found a way to spam the parts of the fields that, that they found out, you know, by what drop tendencies – Hertz correlates with Brown and they, they've, they've calibrated their defense to figuring all these things out, figuring out these precise timing questions. And they can focus on it at, to that extent because they stop ignoring other things, i.e. especially the run game between the tackles. 
and defenses until they are threatened in a new area of the field are going to keep spamming these areas that Brown is at. And you look at Brown's season long numbers. They're awesome. Still he's, he's at 9.2 yards a target. He's caught 105 of 157 targets. These are still great numbers, which means he like his numbers withstood the cold stretch, right? We're at the phase now where they need to counter adjust. And the question of whether they counter adjust and whether they do it successfully would be the answer to the question of will AJ Brown get back on track? I think they need to shake something loose for that to happen because what they've been doing before defenses basically are are on the beat of it. And it's time for them to, to, to do something new so that the defense for once finds itself out of position. But it's been to this point more important to the Eagles to run a particular kind of offense. And I'm going to take the liberty of assuming some of these, some of the, the stubbornness of clinging to these premises is informed partially probably by analytical consultants, people giving them numbers about like, well, look, when you pass the pass this much in situations like these, it yields an EPA of this. But if you run this much, it yields an EPA of this. And they're not noting the conditional details that change by going with an approach of either sort of a volume of either of any amount. And it's, it's, it's getting to the point I think where it's like they, they keep pressing the same buttons because someone told them, this is how you get out of your problem. This is how you get out of this situation. It's like, no, you need to, you need to talk to some old ball coach about your problems. You need, you need somebody to point out the one Oh ones to you again, because you've forgotten how it all works. Speaking of one Oh ones, I feel like I just walked into the wrong classroom in college and, and like walked into like a 4,000 level class all of a sudden. You, you like, walked, you walked into the, the, the room where the homeless guy is screaming at his, the mops. <laughs> <laughs> this guy is spitting. I don't understand, yeah. but it, he's going. Um, but no, I, I think the, my theory, my thesis is that the Eagles uh, don't get out of the divisional round. And uh, you just gave a, a great explainer as they to can why. change or they can lose. Yeah. But either way, what what they've been doing the the last few weeks, basically since they got out of their uh, schedule gauntlet, uh, definitely concerning if if you're uh, an Eagles fan. Uh, let's keep rocking here. We've got three more games to hit. Um, we've got the Rams and the Niners. Uh, the Niners four point favorites in this one. Uh, Niners not really playing anybody in this one, obviously because um, Purdy's not playing, McCaffrey not not playing. Imagine most of this uh, other key skill guys and defensive guys aren't be out there, but they're still favored by this much because um, the the difference uh, for the Rams in this instance um, is you're playing for the six or the seven seed, and I believe we we got some news coming across uh, yesterday that um, some of the key guys on the Rams will not be playing. Uh, that includes, I believe, Matthew Stafford. I think we are getting. A Carson Wentz start. <laughs> uh, that should, that should be funny. That, that's that's enough for me to, to like coming into this week. I was like Rams, Rams, Rams. They're gonna do it. Um, but uh, it's Carson Wentz. N- no way. Yeah, uh, man. It, sorry to be totally honest. I have trouble thinking through a game like this when we have no idea, no certainty anyway, which players are gonna be playing or which team is gonna try to do uh, whatever. And uh, I can't really make an opinion on it, but uh, I guess, I guess, uh, I mean, sorry, what is the read here? Cause like, I don't even, I don't even know. Uh, it, what is the assumption of the spread? Like, what, what do you think? What do you think that, what do you think it's envisioning as a game script? I mean, honestly, it, it kind of signals that um, there's probably not 
a colossal bit or like the, the Niners are still a decent chunk better than the Rams by going from Purdy to Darnold. It's just if the if the 49ers aren't playing for anything, then I think Shanahan will run a vanilla offense and maybe defense, too, because he's he's or at the very least, this the plays that he does call are not necessarily to move the ball as much as to put a particular thing on tape that defenses then study so he can play off of it with some other thing. So, um, yeah, I don't I, I guess I'm not convinced that the 49ers will specifically care enough, or specifically want to win to care enough to to do it. But obviously, I'd feel that way about the Rams, too. So uh, I don't know. I can't I can't pick a side at all. Sorry. I guess I'll pick the Rams to cover if only because I don't know how either team gets a lead. Uh, if the odds are nicer on the, the Rams, I guess I'll go with that. Yeah, it's more than a field goal. I'll, I'll take the underdog, even even with Carson Wentz. Wentz definitely going to be playing hard. Because, I mean, actually, you know, it's because it's because Wentz. That's why I'm uh, because I think he'll do good. That's why I'm picking the Rams to cover. <laughs> it, you know, good can have a whole lot of different different definitions. But like in this particular context, it's uh, Wentz being a try hard while no one else is trying. Um, Cowboys commanders got the Cowboys as 13 point favorites on the road in the nation's capital. Uh, <laughs> um, I don't know where, where are you, where are you at with the Cowboys right now? They don't have any, or do they have something to play for here? They, they, they need, they need to win. Um, let's see for, to, think have the two seed like they might in theory play a worse team in the wild card round if they win this game than if they correct and okay. yeah because they, they would they want to they want to win the division that that's the big thing they want to have a home playoff game they can't get to the oh, one yeah, seed yeah. but they, they they so all right you gotta well, imagine rolls, they, they do this yeah yeah dallas rolls and if anything it's like i feel like it's especially if they keep with the dallas you know decades-long tradition since this would be kind of like a no stakes game in the sense of like the opponent being able to defend themselves, they might actually put up like 40 points or something. Yeah. And you know, Washington for their own part is pretty incentivized to, to stay at the number two spot in the draft. So got to, got to picture that they, they will do everything in their power to, to make that happen. Whether it ends in the Cowboys covering that huge number history says that, uh, double digit favorites on the road late in the season don't often cover but especially divisional it, i guess yeah but this is a this is a weird setup of course but um yeah i think my lean is to is to i'll say dallas yeah 14. I, I think it it's i'm i'm there with you and then uh capping things off one of my favorite possible narratives the bills could be the number 2 seed in the playoffs by the end of this weekend or they could miss the playoffs um sorry we're, we're on to the the dolphins bills then sorry yes we are oh, no, mm-hmm. a, a normal person probably could have figured that out i i need things uh spelled very clearly but uh yeah this game's weird for me i feel like the bills are uh running pretty much the same script on their offense as the eagles although uh the bills offense's problems are more profound and their issues are not they're not like so ideologically specific. Their issue is they're, they're, they're trying to space out the route runners a very specific way as if it were just an unchallengeably true fact that it's the best way to do it. You got to put Gabe Davis running 15 yards downfield. You got to have Dalton Knox running from the slot, this drag routes. You got to have uh Stefan Diggs getting double and triple teamed every play 
and and you have to have Gabe Davis running uh, to the other corner when that happens instead of just going to if, if the defense is double and triple teaming Stefan Diggs there should be space somewhere right and and there should be some player on the team who can get there better more efficiently than someone else and those questions they don't ask they they, they just they just d- decide to run certain guys certain ways no matter what the results are and when the results don't work they change the personnel rather than how they use the personnel so uh if they keep doing this thing in the context of stefan Diggs struggling further if they keep doing this thing where gabe davis is running 15 yard routes down the sideline and dalton uh dalton kincaid is running these like five yard uh, have dalton kincaid run a five yard drag opposite the other slot from dawson knox who runs the same route from his side like that whole offense is crap and it's never going to work. It's just going to get worse results every week, pretty much because defenses are just selling out that much more on these, these very specific ways they deploy these players. And um, I'd like to think Vic Fangio could, could figure that all out. Um, granted he got, he got pantsed pretty badly by Munkin last week. And oh, yeah. uh, maybe, maybe the game has passed up Fangio a bit, but if he can't figure out this bill's offense, we know it's passed him up. Yeah. I mean, uh, I don't know. There, there was, in my mind, uh, some some signs towards the ends of his uh, tenure in in Denver that that would underline that. But yeah, uh, I don't know. I don't know when it comes to Fangio. And then uh, they lose Bradley Chubb last week. I mean, the, the vibes are kind of low. That was Denver so bad, right man. I gotta uh, excuse me. I gotta I gotta mention because I because I did roast Soy Boy for pulling the same thing with Mike Williams. But uh, yeah, Mike McDaniel. That's all on him. That's all his fault. The the Bradley Chubb injury. And uh, it's it kills them. It, it absolutely removes them from uh, serious playoff contention, in my opinion. They, I think they probably I don't know what I think. I, I, the Dolphins can win this game, in my opinion, because the Bills offense is not a serious one. But uh, yeah, neither of these teams look like serious playoff teams to me now. No, I, I don't think so either. I think the Bills go in there and win. But, you know, to, to kind of add some context here, um, the Bills are either third or fourth uh, at a lot of sports books for, for Super Bowl odds. And the Dolphins are down at seventh. I I'll take the Dolphins to win this one. I don't know. I just, the bills offense, the way they have been running it, unless they pay, unless they play like a really weak defense, they get returns like a bottom five offense. And they, they just kind of, they just close their eyes and hope Josh Allen makes up the difference as a runner. And uh, that's not sustainable. That's, that's like, that's like how you win an overtime of a game or something you know, that uh, we're shorthanded. Maybe Allen can carry us this one quarter an entire season. It's ridiculous. I, I think so too. Um, it seems like just the direction that these teams are going in right this instant. Uh, I still give the lean to Buffalo, but it would be the ultimate, uh, coronation of if they somehow managed to miss the playoffs yeah in this we, setup my my doubts about them coming into the year coming to fruition at the last minute well i think your doubts have already been proven right i mean they were supposed to have a much better season than they've had but on any terms but don't we think at this point that sean mcdermott will eventually fail conclusively like he's he keeps he keeps barely getting away you know he, he keeps escaping uh keeps escaping you know certain death by by a hair and there's only so many times you can do that i don't know i think i think uh he's he's on borrowed time and it's kind of like eventually that door is gonna shut the question is just like is it now or next week yeah i think i think it's it's coming in the next few weeks i I don't view them as, as a 
Super Bowl contender. I, again, I, I think the Browns are much more dangerous. Yes, uh, as far as far as the AFC uh, picture is concerned, but I think they they do it this week and then um, lose in disappointing fashion in the first or second round of the playoffs, and and that's where I'm at with it. Yeah, that makes totally good sense. I'll uh, I'll I'll accept that answer. Okay, excellent. Well, Mario, been a tremendous season. Luckily for our listeners and viewers, we are going to keep things rolling. We do year round here on, on this uh, fantasy football podcast. Uh, we'll get into some playoffs next week, breaking down uh, the, the full bracket. We'll also probably touch on some some. Uh, there will still be some time uh, to do some uh, playoff best ball drafts. The markets in those have shifted dramatically in the last couple of weeks. So I, I highly recommend if you have a lean on a certain team going into this weekend, go ahead and get in there early before that edge evaporates because it, you know, things change pretty rapidly in the uh, playoff best ball markets. So go ahead, get your feet wet this weekend, and then we'll kind of have some final answers for you, hopefully um, next week. But that's going to do it for us here on the Rotowire fantasy football podcast. Oh, and uh, I would be remiss to not mention our guy, Bryce, our guy, Bryce Danielson, Rotowire. Great. Uh, content man, uh, more a little bit more behind the scenes takes down the the DraftKings uh, best one of the tournaments over there on DraftKings. So big shout out to Bryce. Yeah, uh, Bryce is actually I think OG status for some time. He's been there like I, I've been at Rotowire long enough that I can't remember entire eras anymore reliably, or at least like they're all out of order in my head. Mm-hmm. But I feel like Bryce has been there like a, about as long as you, John. He not long after like i think okay he he came on like 2016 and i, I started in like 14 so like pretty okay. early on in, in the in the day 16 or 15 is is when he would have started and does a lot of golf stuff for us does some nfl stuff and uh yeah clearly, imagine uh how good the golf stuff must be any any golf interested people listening yes uh it's it's money our our, our golf guys i, I think generally are, are oh, yeah they got a fleet of really good ones don't they yeah, it's crazy how strong that department is. But either way, big shout out, Bryce. Yeah, Bryce. Yeah. yeah. And to anyone else that, that won their leagues or, or uh, if we helped anyone cash in best ball this year, hats off to you. But that's going to do it for us here on the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. If you want to check out our uh, content behind the paywall, you can get a, a free trial for Rotowire at rotowire.com forward slash pod. We'll catch you next week.